Hello there, ladies and gentlemen. We are back and we are live. Canadian Bowler Show. I am Mike Petuli and I am joined here today by Daryl Fitzgerald. How's it going, Daryl? Pretty good. Uh, bowling season is over, but Halloween season, which I enjoy, all the spooky stuff, is starting up. So something to look forward to, at least. Yeah, it's it's a typical early winter here in Saskatchewan. We uh, got about two feet of snow last uh, last weekend. So it was a, a nice little reminder that we've got winter right along the way. And typical Saskatchewan, we usually get a good dump before uh, Halloween. So make trick-or-treating fun for the kids around here, I imagine. But that's just the way life is on the prairies, I guess. Uh, did Alberta get dumped on recently? Oh, yeah, pretty awful. much it. Both, both us and Alberta got it pretty bad, so it's kind of the normal. Once you, when you're in the prairies, we usually get it this time of year. So, I guess before we go too deep into it, just a reminder here: if you are here watching the show, to like, follow, subscribe, whatever you can do. Any interaction helps us, so please do hit that like button if you're if you're here watching the video. Uh, if you're not able to catch us live, we are on YouTube uh, within the day, so you'll be able to catch it after the fact on YouTube. Uh, if you're a podcaster, uh, you can get us on every major podcasting platform usually within the week of the show being live so uh keep an eye out on any of those platforms and any sort of help uh we definitely appreciate it so fair bit of stuff to cover today uh it is as you're saying end of the season essentially uh across canada however there was major uh, events i guess or a major event that just concluded yesterday so the canadian indoor championship uh just finished running uh, yesterday and uh, some new champions were crowned so that's uh run at the PIBC out there in Vancouver so premier well the only indoor facility in Canada uh, nice six ring facility out in Vancouver they they ran that event and as you can see those are the trophies and the medals uh, if we're gonna jump into the results uh, the winner for the men was Jerome Kirby from Manitoba so congratulations to Jerome. He, I believe, won the what singles, outdoor singles, a couple of years back. So he's proven he's a very good uh, singles player and proved it once again this week. Uh, he went undefeated, so he ran the table, went undefeated the whole week, which is a great result for him. A yeah. couple of the games I saw on stream, he played terrific. So well done by Jerome. Uh, second place was Tim Mason from BC. So Tim's... Uh, a long-time competitor in that tournament. I think he's won the indoor himself a few times. Very steady uh, singles player, and Tim came second there, so good result for Tim. I, I do like how he went with the, the Mike Tyson look. It's like all black, including black bulls. Um, the only color he has is the purple shoes. <laughs> Say with Mike, with Mike Tyson, he's got to have a little white in there, though. We, gotta, oh, we have a stripe, stripe on his shorts or something like that. <laughs> um, and then third place, we had Kerry Lucier from Ontario. Uh, Kerry was streaming all of his games on, I believe, his iPad or something of that nature. So I actually quite enjoyed being able to have the two options to watch the game. So if uh, you're listening, Kerry, thank you for streaming your games. It was actually nice to kind of have the two options to watch the men's round when it was going. So it was good to see the the games as they went on. Kind of a, an interesting way to do it, have the iPad at the one end and you can loosely make out what's happening at the other end. But uh, good result for Kerry, though. I think he was in the running to get to the gold medal game, and then he ended up playing um, Jim Duholk from BC in that bronze medal game. Uh, they had a pretty good bronze medal game, it looked like, as well. So congrats to everybody aboard there. 
then I, I'll let you handle the ladies if you'd like, Daryl. Uh, on the ladies' side, uh, we had the gold. It was Linda Linda Ng uh, from BC. Uh, pictured there. Um, had a good run. The the ladies' side was was interesting because it had uh, some log jams um, um, in the middle there, which was uh, kind of fun to watch how that was going to go. Uh, bronze uh, was uh, last year's winner, uh, Bobby Jean Charlton. Um, she uh, came in second. Uh, she was the one that uh, represented Canada um, at the Worlds uh, this year. Uh, bronze went to Joanna Cooper. Uh, she defeated uh, Jan Robinson in that final match. So uh, really fun uh event to watch um like you said we had a couple options which was really really cool um i mean it's a it's a great facility wish we uh, we had a lot more uh around canada to to play in because we desperately need it we've we've got awful winters long winters gray winters so it'd be nice to have that activity um for us to do in the winter as well but um for those in bc enjoy that indoor it's awesome um i know uh, myself and probably Mike as well would would love to be able to to run down there, uh, you know, once a couple to- times a week and and play bowls. But um, cool event, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Like I had the pleasure of living in BC for a winter, probably about a decade ago. So I played essentially every two days on that indoor, and it's it's terrific to have that available to you in the winter. Um, if you do live in that area, they 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 run essentially a league every single night. So it's depending on your schedule, like someone like me that was doing some work and living down there, it was pretty easy to drop in there every night or twice a week and play in leagues. So it it really is a great thing and it does improve your game significantly when you're playing on a 16 second uh, quick green like that. When you do go out and play outdoor after the fact or the next year, it it lets you really stay in it and it, it does improve your game across the board. So It'd be awesome if we had more indoors across Canada. I think that's a, a wish list of any lawn bowler across the country. And I think if someone won a lottery, uh, there'd be a maybe a, a, an indoor built in some some locations. But that's just on our wish list, I guess, when it comes to Canadians. We have um, a couple of corrections in chat. Uh, Jerome did lose his last round. So he didn't quite oh. go undefeated, but uh, um, still a great run all the way to the final. So good on him. Yeah. Regardless, very impressive to lose one match out of 12, I guess, or whatever it would have been. So That's the one to he, lose. He did... At least lose it there, right? Yeah, no, you <laughs> you do not want to lose your last game at Nationals. It's kind of a, a typical saying from a lot of people, if you're especially in the medal rounds. It's just absolute devastating, yep. Happened to me. <clears throat> yeah, and I guess... I'm not bitter. The one... And so the one the one result I wanted to touch on was Joanna winning was that her third bronze for the year because I guess she would have yeah, won the so. bronze in the ladies singles too so pretty pretty impressive uh, results for her across the season so good to see that that happened for her as well yeah okay um, I guess the winners of that would be going to represent Canada the the in Australia I believe that's where they're hosting it and that's next year in April or early next year is when that event's held. So good luck to the winners uh, at the event coming up there. So move on, probably our next big topic of the day. Um, Canadian national team was announced. So the Canadian national team for the next year was announced. Uh, Do you want to run through those names, Daryl? Sure. Yeah. 
we have on the men's side uh ryan bester um living out in australia right now we have john bazier from ontario uh brayden campbell from nova scotia owen kirby from ontario rob law from alberta i mean originally from manitoba but he's he's out in alberta right now uh cam lafrain from nova scotia david llewellyn from ontario and brandon watson from saskatchewan and on the women's side we have Kelly McCarahan. She's uh, living out in Australia right now. Ian Chinnery, living out in Australia. Emma Boyd, there's a theme here, living out in Australia. <clears throat> uh, Jackie Foster from Nova Scotia. Uh, Jordan Koss from Saskatchewan. Jen McDonald from Alberta. Bailey Van Stein from Ontario. And Joanna Cooper from Alberta. So, Mike, what do you think? It's uh, kind of a, the, the who's who of the bowlers in Canada. Uh, a lot of those names are, I guess, carry over from last year or the previous years. You have a fairly large contingent from the teams that have been established over the last few years. So a lot of the names would be expected. There's probably some names in the list that were surprising to see or not see on there, but I guess that's just the nature of selecting a national team, specifically when we're only having eight people selected. I imagine it's difficult to have the teams sort of line up with who you want positional-wise or player-wise because you obviously know who or what events you're going to be playing these people in. So you kind of have to make up those eight for maybe people that are more versatile or whatever you want to call it that can play different positions or if you want the person that maybe only plays lead, like it, I don't know how the whole, the whole process, I'm obviously not involved in it, but I know that the way that they would have selected the teams, they probably had to do targeting or looking for certain aspects or certain types of players. So a lot of the names don't really surprise me. Um, can't really complain with a lot of them. And I know we've got the, I guess it's the world championships are coming up yep. within this selection cycle. So a lot of those names being from Australia and the world championships being in Australia. Again, that doesn't surprise me seeing a lot of those names there. Cause for going to a, a quicker greens or playing in Australia, I think a lot of those names are well suited uh, for a world championship being in a location like that. Yeah. Um, now selection is, is rough. Uh, uh, there's no, um, if ands or buts about that um being a selector myself um it's a rough job and as a player going through that selection process and either hearing you're on or you're off and getting feedback and and all that kind of stuff it's rough as well um i've been on both sides mike obviously you've been on on the side of selection as well um it's not fun for anybody uh uh, in the grand scheme of things like it's it's fantastic when you get to call somebody up and say hey you made the team that's an easy call but when you have to call somebody up and say you know sorry you haven't been selected uh it's it's not a fun job at all um we had uh, for an example we had um 30 plus men applied to the side and we had to choose eight to fill out that team out of that 30 that's a lot of players to see that's a lot of players to to discuss and um 
put in that whole selection process and then finally come out with an eight and then go back and and talk to every single one of those players and uh, give them feedback and have that conversation. We do uh, make phone calls um, to directly to those players. It's not just a letter. It's not an email or or something just saying, hey, you didn't get selected. It's it's a phone call so they can ask questions. We can give them feedback, um, do that whole thing. Um, seems a little, a little more personal and a little more um, kind than just kind of sending a letter and saying, sorry, you didn't make it or sorry, you did. Or it's not sorry you did, but congratulations you did. You, you actually get to talk to other people. Um, a lot of discussion that I've seen online. Um, social media is a great place to to hear uh, all the opinions, of course, for, for anything and everything. Um, all I can say is selection is a tough process. The selectors go through a lot of stuff to try to come up with the best team possible. Um, for anybody interested, the criteria is up on the Bulls Canada website. Um, it's under resources. You can actually go and see all the information we put. You can see the charts that we use. You can see the information that we um, we grade on. We do you know a whole technical rundown on how the players play. We do sort of the uh, tactics and strategy side. You know, can they read ahead? Um, can they call ahead? Are they good at it? front end, back end, all that kind of stuff. And when it comes down to it, um, at the end of it all, when we have players kind of on the bubble or players that are really close to each other, you go through that positional fit because um, you don't want a team of people that all play skip and never play lead and can't throw a jack going on the team. And you don't want just a, a whole team of leads who um, aren't able to call ahead and aren't able to implement strategy and all that kind of stuff. So you need that mix of front end, back end players. Um, some of them need to be swing players so you can, you can throw them around uh, and fill in where you need them. So it's, it's a whole process and you can go and see that. Um, I suggest before you, you go off uh, and uh, are sad because your favorite player didn't make it or people that you don't like made it for whatever reason, go and check the, uh, the criteria and have a conversation. I'm, I'm open to in conversation. I'm not open to social media back and forth, but I'm open to people coming and talking to me and saying, hey, what's the selection process like? What do you do? Um, can I ask questions about it? Absolutely. It's, uh, it's, it's, an, it's a crappy process to go through, but it is a process. And uh, I think it's, it's a lot better than it has been in many, many years. And... Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, the players still have to prove that they they made it to the team and they're on there for a reason and still fight for their spot because there's only five out of that eight that are going to be going um, on each side. So there's still a lot of room to um, to see people perform well and not perform well and, and move around. So that was a lot of talking, Mike. What do you think? I just let you have your I let you have your tangent. I, I understand the the work you have to do in the background as a selector. It's a fairly thankless job so i i understand and i think after the team was announced you saying like you're open to having dialogue with people me and you've had a pretty extensive back and forth about the team that was picked and i did exactly what you told everyone listening here to go do read that selection process because me i what i think i'm four years removed from being on the national team now um i went and checked out the policy because it's gone pretty significant changes honestly from four years ago when i was on there so 
it is worthwhile taking a look at how the team selected what sort of all the metrics that go into it are because it's it has been changed i i just don't think it was maybe uh something that was publicized that they've made a significant change to how they're actually picking the teams um but that was one thing i kind of gathered when i did read it i mean you had a back and forth about who was picked who wasn't picked so i know it's it's uh, definitely a hard thing to do pick an eight eight person squad as you're saying 30 whatever men if there's however many men that applied it's difficult on either side men or women's to pick the top players and with the results that people put up in nationals or uh, people living abroad the events that they're playing in so you see the results that they put up it's difficult obviously to sub in those people in and out and it is a dogfight like uh to be in that top eight, keep your name in there. And then as you're saying, maybe even get yourself into that top five if you are on the team. There's a lot of a lot of work that's involved off not off the green, like having to do the I guess once you actually are on the squad to sort of be the reporting, being contacted coaches. It is a very much like a part-time, full-time job, however you want to look at it. So it's very interesting and I'm excited to see what's gonna happen because I guess we have a world championship coming up. It's always nice to see what sort of plays out there and then whatever will happen, I guess, next year. There, I'm sure there's going to be another election that would come up about a year from now and we'll probably be talking about something very similar to this in about a year. Yeah, good comment from Derek Dillon here. Is, uh, I think Daryl's going greater due to selection and that's probably true. There's a little more coming here and I think there's some up top that's why I wear the hat. Um, I, I, a couple more comments I want to make about selection because... I know people are interested and I can see that by some of the comments and stuff on some of the posts. Um, all I can say is if, if you're interested in selection, if you are, are that concerned about either players that you're coaching as a coach or you're a player yourself that, that wants to get into it, make sure you understand the criteria. Um, it's not all about go out and win the gold medal. Um, if you're in a team of four, we want to see how you play in that team. We want to see how you play in the pairs, how you play as a single. We want to see um, your best position. You know, are you a front-end player? Or are you a back-end player? Um, where are you going to fit on the team? Try to figure that out. There's a lot of really intricate things that um, can come into that whole selection process. And if you're not um, in on what's being looked at, and really thinking about your place on the team, like where would I fit in the best? And I need to show that I am the best at that position or I need to sh uh, show that I have all these skills. You need to go out and do that. It's not up to me or another selector to say, well, you know, I think Mike Batuli is you know, a pretty good skip. I need to know that Mike Batuli is a pretty good skip. I need to, uh, to have that data to present to everybody else. There's, there's players um, on that whole 30 list that um, like I can't grade everybody because I didn't see them. So if I haven't seen them in like two years, I can't grade them on selection because it's not fair for me to say, well, they were trash in 2018. So they're obviously going to be trash now. So I'm, I'm not going to pick them. Things change. People get better. People get worse. People stay the same. And um, I need to be fair to that. So I can't grade a person that I haven't seen in a few years. But that's why we have selectors from all over. We try to go to nationals. We try to see players as much as possible um, and as many people as possible so that we can put in that, that input and have that discussion. And 
on top of that, if if players have personal connections to players, because there is a lot of players and it is a tight community, um, like for instance, myself and Owen Kirby, I can't do anything on selection uh, for Owen because my personal connection is a conflict of interest. So I pull myself out of um, that kind of stuff. There are rules. We, we try to um, play fair, so there's no favoritism on my side to, to pick a player that either I work with or I'm really good friends with. I need to prove on that list that, um, you know, that player can play. And if there are variances, like I grade a player all nines and someone grades them all ones, something's wrong there, right? It doesn't make sense. Um, so we have discussions about that stuff as well. It's, it's a process, people. And it sucks. Uh, I, I don't enjoy going through it uh, most of the time. I don't like having to uh, put some judgments on on players and how they do. But, um, you know, that's as a coach, I do observing and I try to work with players. And like I say to all the people that enter selection and get a and get a call, if you want to work, if you want to get better at those things that we've we've talked about. I'm out there and, and willing to talk about it, so. Uh, there's a lot of cool stuff that comes out of selection too. Um, you can connect with coaches, and you can you can get that help that you need. So really cool. We got a uh, Derek in the chat there saying the Canadian Bully needs to run a competition to name the Canadian team. Uh, team needs an identity, maybe the Canadian Lumberjacks or something. Free Canadian Bowler uh, T-shirt for the winner. Uh, if Derek's suggesting it, he can maybe uh, throw some sponsorship money at us too, and we'll we'll, de- we'll get the Canadian Bowler open. I think we've talked about it extensively. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see it within the next couple of years. Um, but yeah, the, that's an interesting idea to play a competition like that and name your team however you want to do it. That that does lead us to a nice little segue actually to our next topic. So Japan Open uh, recently occurred. So. I did a deep dive on this a few months and Daryl and me just talked about it before the show started. Uh, there was the Japan open was ran in. I don't even want to try and pronounce uh, the name of the place that was in. Uh, do you want to give it a shot, Daryl? Uh, I, I don't have it written down. Um... Okay. Regardless. Uh, so the Japan open recently happened. You can see some photos here. Um, I personally have played in, the Dutch Open, so an international event that they used to run in uh, the Netherlands every two years. Uh, so I played in it twice in the early 2010s. This event was in Japan. I believe it's, was it the sixth one? Is that seven. what it said? I think it seven. was the seventh, yeah. So, yeah, so they've, they've ran it six or seven times now. I imagine it's going to continue because you can see there was some pretty decent participation. Um, if you're someone who is aspiring to be a world-class bowler you want to get that taste international events like this open events are terrific ways to sort of get that taste so me i played twice at the dutch open i got to kind of get my first kick at the can on the international stage playing against essentially the development squads for teams like england ireland uh scotland's like you got to play against guys that ended up being in the commonwealth games two years after i played them so it is a great way to sort of get that first experience. And if you do have the money to travel to any of those international open events, they're great ways to sort of develop yourself as a player. Uh, my comment, um, I had heard about the J- uh, Japan open a-, a few years ago, I'm, I'm pretty sure. And um, it came up on my radar again. I was just looking through world bulls events. It is a world bulls sanctioned event. Um 
it's just um you don't hear about it and it's a shame because there's there are events out there uh, like you said the dutch open that nobody hears about unless somebody they know goes and says hey i've gone to the dutch open or i've gone to the japan open um i wish we would hear more about it and um folks if if you're tuning into the show and you know about stuff let us know we want to shout out these these events so you know about them how uh, you know what's going on in the world whether it's japan holland uh the holland open whether it's um in the uk or australia those big things or some smaller stuff uh that's going on there's some really cool stuff that you can get involved in um you know the um if we ever get a, another team in or if if you're ambitious enough to try to uh, contact um you know the tiger bulls china open uh is an awesome event if you can get an entry into that as well so lots of cool stuff that that's going on in the world that doesn't revolve around commonwealth games and world bulls necessarily yeah no it's it, it's really your your opportunity if you want to give yourself that shot get your get yourself in contact with uh people who operate tournaments and pay your way to go and play in whatever events you want because it is worth it i enjoyed my experiences and they've been invaluable to my bulls career so i can't really say enough about how much i've enjoyed playing in those different events and getting to participate and stuff like that i guess moving on uh i got some other stuff we wanted to cover uh the australian championships recently occurred so i'll leave this one to you daryl you you have some results you wanted to cover uh yeah um no pictures um i wasn't able to collect all the pictures there's a ton of people on here um I can go through the Australian Championships that just took place. Uh, on the men's side, the singles was run by uh, Mog, uh, Rob McMullen from Tasmania. Uh, the pairs was uh, Jack McShane and Sean Thompson from New South Wales. Uh, triples was uh, Nino Lahovic, uh, Winston Brackley, and Brett Mahoney from Victoria. And the fours was Jordan Yates, Paul Williamson, Brad Willoughby, and Anthony Flapper from Victoria. So congratulations to all those guys in in uh, their national championships. That's awesome. And on the women's side, um, the singles was won by Kelsey Cottrell, uh, a name that I think uh, a lot of us are familiar with from Queensland. Uh, pairs was Sam Ferguson and Ann Johns from New South Wales. Uh, triples was Carrie Anderson, Rhonda uh, Prosser, and uh, Kay Blackwell uh, from Western Australia. The fours uh, was Amanda Masters, uh, Sean Saunders, uh, Sherry Sully, and uh, Jenny Bruce from Western Australia as well. And the mixed pairs, which gets run at the same time, uh, was Gail Young and Matt Stiles from Australian Capital Territory. Um, so congratulations to all those winners. Um, we, we like to shout out the champions uh, that win in their respective categories across all countries. We don't get them all. Um, Australia puts out a pretty good uh, news feed on all their championships so we can pick that up pretty easily um, congratulations to them uh, really really cool to see yeah no it's always it's never really surprising that uh, Australia has quite a abundance of results to, to pass along because they they do have really uh, one of the most developables programs in the entire world we'll call it um, and to see the results there doesn't terribly surprise to see some of some of those familiar names on there again too. It's 
uh, I guess Kelsey's really been on a tear specifically in singles over the last year. So it's terribly <laughs> not surprising one bit to see her name there again, because she's really been on her roll lately. So congrats to her and everyone who ended up winning the championships. It's quite a process to get yourself out of your state in Australia, let alone go to your national championship and win. So congrats to everybody involved. All right. Um, we have some other info we wanted to pass along. I guess next week is start of uh, like world, world Bulls Tour uh, events. So we got the first one, I guess, next week would be the Scottish Open. Uh, I believe it starts on November the 1st. So that one um, is our, we got a Canadian, I guess, com- competing in that one. So we got Gary Pickering qualified out of uh, PBA Canada. I guess if we're talking about paying your way to go play places or getting yourself, potentially if you weren't selected for that national team, you want to go play internationally, here's another opportunity for you, PBA Canada. So Gary uh, won the event that they would have ran in September in um, Ontario there. And so Gary's going, his game, I believe it says on November 1st, he plays Alex Marshall in the first round. So qualified his way there and he gets to play Alex Marshall uh, at the Scottish Open next week so that will be fun to watch i I enjoy watching any of the wbt events just because it's really cool to see the streaming and who ends up winning the events is always interesting because you really do get the who's who of the uk bowlers there so i'm excited for it what do you think daryl i am um you know with our season winding down it's always great to see bowls um you can catch it on youtube live you know it's it's cool to see um older stuff and i watch some some stuff back that I that I missed uh, through the years, but um, to see a live event go on uh, is a little more exciting, obviously. And uh, the WBT never disappoints. They've got great camera angles. Commentary is is pretty solid. Um, as long as you turn off the chat, uh, you're good. <laughs> yeah, it's about the only thing I'd say I, I dislike about watching that is the chat because you just get either I don't know trolls, robots, whatever you want in the the chat. You get really the gambit of all the people commenting and just making hilarious comments that are misinformed to the max. So it's a good time to, if you, if you want to kind of get a giggle, you can go and read that chat sometimes because you do get some interesting things, but uh, it's fun to watch that event. I, I do enjoy watching it myself. Um, I guess if we're going to cover the other events that they got, they also do have uh, the world indoor championships coming up. So if we're looking forward to that as well, that's in January. So we got a few months off from that. Um, players that end up they're going to be there for Canada again is Cody uh, Cody Althoff from Ontario he won the singles so he'd be there for the singles and Cody also won the pairs with Dylan Jacobs uh, so the two of them will be there for the the pairs which is uh, that, that starts January the 6th so a few months from now we'll have some coverage of that probably have some results to pass along and hopefully the guys end up uh, doing well there. I really do hope it's a good experience for them because PBA is awesome. I, I hope it keeps going in Canada and even gets stronger over the next few years here because it's great to see people getting those opportunities to play overseas and play the best players in on the indoors. That's true. The uh, it, PBA has been, I guess, held held together by the stalwarts, the, the ones that play all the time, the ones that really love that event and really want to go um, you get some floaters in and out. Um, I've been one of those floaters that I played before, but I haven't played recently. Um, it's a good event. If if you're really keen on trying to win and, and go internationally, 
you know, that's a great place to do it. Um, I mean, the, the more people you have in it, the better it's going to be because uh, the more money that will be able to fund the people that go. So you're paying a little bit less. But again, and again, it is a hard sell. Um, you know, you have to pay and play and, and win, which is very difficult. So um, there's two great sides to it. And, uh, you know, I encourage anybody that's interested to go out and, and at least give it a try. And for those provinces um, that are too far away from Ontario to, to play, um, if you're keen on it and you really want to, to do it, um, you know, contact those guys in at PBA Canada. Um, I think Chris Bester is uh, the guy that heads up everything here in Ontario. So uh, give him a, a, you know, a message or, or connect with him and, and see if, if you can try to build something in your province or even your region, you know, west and east and, and all that kind of stuff. The more we have, the better it is, really. Yeah, no, I've fully considered playing in PBA multiple times over my, my bowl's life. I know it's just hard to, to get out there. This year's I was actually going to play this year, and then the fact it would have been three trips to Ontario in six weeks, I think, I, I kind of felt it wasn't uh, optimal for me to do so. So I elected to not play PBA and decided WOBA was a, a better usage of my time off that I have, my limited time off. So... Again, it's hard to really get which events you, I guess, prioritize which events are really up your your alley. But if you are interested in ever trying to play internationally and you you think you do have what it takes to to go over there to Europe and give it a go, uh, it is worthwhile to to give PBA a chance. Those guys, if you talk to anybody who's been there before, they're fairly positive experiences. So if you ever do want to really give it a try, definitely give PBA a go. It's something worth worth giving it a, a shot at one point absolutely uh, well said yeah all right um i think we had a couple other topics um that's i have my list of things that we sort of the things i wrote down i know daryl had some other stuff he wanted to talk so what, what else are we talking about today daryl uh i want to um throw this out uh for everybody watching um you know i'm wearing one of them um canadian bowler shirt uh, we do have merch. We do have a store. We have made a few sales, believe it or not. Um, I, I just wanted to to throw up uh, the actual store uh, so we can take a look. Uh, this is the Canadian Bowler store. It's it's nothing fancy, but uh, we do throw up our merch. Uh, we have everything you can think of: hat, shirts, buttons, stickers, um, mugs, water bottles. Um, everything that you that you could possibly want we're we're working on designs constantly trying to come up with cool ideas we just dropped our our first three i guess say country or or region shirts so we've got this one which is uh team uk uh we designed a shirt that has basically kind of the national ish symbols you able to open that up daryl uh yeah get, your, get a bigger image of the logo if we can there you go uh Absolutely. lion unicorn dragon uh bulldog on a field of clovers so if you can guess you know we've got england scotland wales uh great britain kind of the bulldog and then ireland uh represented with the clover uh what do you think of this design mike that's a pretty cool one like i know you I mean you went back and forth on that one i I guess if you have the other ones easily available or not, I believe you did one for 
I did. Australia, and you also did one for Canada specific too. So it's kind of uh, just ideas we've had where we wanted to candle one have some have some different takes on bulls logos out there. So yeah, there's this one here for Canada. We got a got a polar bear, beaver, Canada goose, and a an elk or a moose. Not sure what that would be, but <laughs> we we got the different Canadian animals or mascots if you want for bulls so it's kind of an idea um we ideas we put together and we have lots of different logos in that store we've mean you've pretty extensively had created ideas and went back and forth people designing them here's the australian one so we got the kangaroo yeah koala wombat and i have no idea what the The fourth animal is ah tasmanian devil that's a cool one so yeah, we're we're trying to tailor things to the different parts of the world. We are we do have people who listen from all over the world. So if you do like any of our logos, any support does help us. So we we appreciate any sort of support you'd be able to give us, and specifically the merchandise is helpful. One really Cam cool said. one. Uh, I wanted I want to just throw this out there. Um, we do have one really cool shirt that we we are really uh, keen on. We haven't uh, displayed it yet, but it's the the double sided. You've got the one side on all the merch that'll say draw for dough. And it's the bull leaning on the jack, counting up his cash. And on the back, it says drive for show. So you got the double-sided um, merchandise. And it goes along with the kind of the golf, the drive for drive for show, putt for dough. But uh, we've got the drive, drive for show and draw for dough merchandise, which I think is really cool. I love that shirt. Yeah, they're... They're, they're fun little images we put together, and I, I love that uh, stacking the cash next to your jack because that's that really is because your draw draw shot is obviously the the money shot in bulls, so it's fun to. This one has been fun. really popular, actually. Oh, this cool. one people have been buying just the list, the greens, Mads, Jackson bulls. <laughs> yeah, it's, no, it's it's cool that you you put that one together and it actually has been one of our our top sellers because i i do like it as well that one a lot of the just plain text stuff seems to resonate with the lawn bowling community i always see those what fake stores that people post in the different social media groups saying whatever the the image is and click on this t-shirt when it's just fake and you're supporting whoever created that clone account or whatever it is i hate them it's an aside however a lot of the the plain text stuff does resonate resonate with people. So hopefully some of our images resonate with people as well, because it's always fun to have little cool blombles images on your shirt. On that side, we do check our spelling and we do try to make sure it, it's grammatically correct. Unlike the the random shirts that are out there that don't pluralize bulls or you know have some weird stuff in there that makes no sense. So uh, hopefully you guys enjoy it. Um, for anybody that has ordered, uh, Shane has said that he's got his order in already. Um, if you get it and you like it, you know, uh, let us know. Um, we want to keep designing stuff and, and having some really cool stuff out there um, for people to get and to wear and to enjoy. I love graphic t-shirts. Obviously, I wear them all the time in my mic. Uh, so I'll be I'll be sporting these. You, you see them in the videos that we make, too. I, I wear the um, Bite the White sweater all the time. Yeah, we got Cam beaking you in the chat saying if it has Daryl's face on it, he'll cry. So we're we gonna, can maybe we can arrange a giant Daryl face for Cam if that's what he wants to bring the shirt. Each one of these faces that are on my shirt, and I'm going to blow them up into just one single face. 
just for Cam. Yeah, it'll be absolutely horrifying. We don't. We we know we don't need to see our faces bigger than they're already on that image, that shirt there. So, cool. Um, was that all you wanted to really cover here today, Daryl? Uh, yeah, I, th- I think so. I do. Um, kind of have a question uh, for you. It's based on on what Derek said about uh, run a competition in the uh, Canadian to name the Canadian team. But with that aside, just running a competition. Um. We've we've said it constantly that we don't take off my we don't get a lot of money from the podcast, but any little bits that we do have trickle in, we we store away to buy equipment to to do stuff. Um, we also are looking to take some of that money um, if it does stack up, and like I said, we, we are getting little bits in here and there based on on stuff that we do. Um, including the merch, it, it's not a lot, but it, it is a little bit that trickles in every time um, to actually sponsor stuff. Um, if we can generate enough money through this podcast to sponsor a team or to sponsor a player or to sponsor an event uh, that makes sense for Canada uh, um, to make things more interesting, to help people out, um, that's what our, our podcast is all about. So don't think that you're buying something and we're trying to take the cash because um, that's really not what this is all about. This is about growing the sport. So anything we can do to help the sport along, that's what uh, we're doing here. So, you know, making things happen for Canada, finding new ways to to make um, competitions more competitive, throw more money at it, and uh, to help players out who, who are trying to travel and just don't have the money to do so. Um, that's what it's all about. So... Um, Mike, I, I'm hoping in the next couple of years we can actually have a competition. What do you think? Oh, it'll happen. I, I'm I'm not worried. We're going to make it happen. We've thrown so many ideas around in the background of formats, uh, ways we want to run the tournament. And I think it's not a question of if it'll happen, it's going to happen. I, I, I think it maybe next year is probably a little early, but the year after that, I can maybe see us literally organizing a a tournament the way we've always talked about it because me and you both love boxing and mixed martial arts uh specifically i also really like wrestling so i know we've talked about kind of making it a little bit more of a not flamboyant but a little more of a <laughs> an event i guess when you're actually playing in it and Excited. kind of uh hyping up the players and having sort of matchups and those sort of things like you see in tale of the tape per se from the ufc where you can compare players and sort of have that aspect to it i know we we've really wanted to see that and it's it'll happen uh if it's next year or the year after that though that's where we'll we'll really figure it out because any of the money we're making here is going 100 percent back into the sport and trying to do the things we want to do like a lot of it's uh getting streaming gear sort of as we've kind of talked about in the past we're getting streaming gear and then in the future we're going to definitely look into the sponsorship routes and probably creating our own events to try and really just bring the game across the country, get more people playing and, and involved in the sport. That's really our main goal down the line. So. 100%. Cool. All right. So final reminder, I guess, uh, if you are here, hit that like, like button, please do helps us out a bunch uh, comment, subscribe, anything like that. We, we love in getting involved with anybody who does want to talk with us. So definitely send us any messages. If you do have any questions, anything like that. And yeah, if you're not here checking a live YouTube, we are on the podcasting platform. So please check us out after the fact. So with all that, may all your bulls be touchers.